0: We've been on a short series of messages called The Kind of Person God Wants You to Be. The Kind of Person God Wants You and Me to Be. And we've been discovering some very precious, beautiful truths from the life of Stephen. And so I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 6 and this will conclude our four-week series on the subject of the kind of person God wants us to be. In previous, in previous messages, we discovered marvelous truth. We discovered that God wants us to experience these beautiful qualities. You can see them on the big screen. He wants us to be a person who is eager to carry out practical and compassionate actions towards people. He wants us to be a person who is full of faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, full of God's grace, full of God's power. Amen? And we would all say, let it be so, Lord. Let it be so with each one of us. Let it be so with with all of us. Amen? We want to be filled with wisdom, men and women. We want to be filled with wisdom, don't we? And we want to overcome the, the buts in your life. Let it be with each one of us. Now today we come to the scripture once again. And let's just uh, read Acts Chapter 6, please. Beginning at verse 8, where it says Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed, handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Amen. Well, my friends, as we further reflect upon this portion of Scripture and, you know, a few moments into chapter 7 I want you to discover with me this very important principle which I'm sure some of you see and others of you will see in a moment and the first truth today we want to focus on is this be a person who builds people up instead of tearing people down we just read verses 11 through 14 where we see how these opposers were basically tearing Stephen down. Verse 11, so they persuaded some men to lie, to even lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God, and this roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested and brought him before the high council. Instead of building one another up, instead of building up Stephen, who was an outstanding citizen in their community, they tore him apart. They tore him apart with words. They tore him apart later physically. Eventually, they killed him. Be a person who builds people up instead of tearing people down as, as they were doing to Stephen. Stephen. How can you and I, how can you and I help build another person up? How can you and I build one another up? Here are some, some ideas that I hope will hit home with you using the word build as a guide. First of all, the B can stand for believe. Believe that each person is important and precious. Amen? Believe, when, 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 when I believe, which I do, when I believe that you are precious and you're important, when I believe that those, those, those 80 to 90 children that we had this week in sports camp are each so unique and precious and beautiful and special in the eyes of God and in our eyes... That helps to build a child up. It helps to build up a teenager. It helps to build you and me as, a, as adults. Build us up, doesn't it? Believe each person is important and precious. If, um, if whoever, whoever was the man who drove that terrible truck in France into the, the crowds of people, killing, killing so many and injuring so many others, if that person had believed that each person is important and precious, he would never have thought of doing a terrible and a crazy thing like that. If whoever, whoever murdered that precious little girl out west in the Calgary area, whoever murdered that little girl and the mother, if they believed that they were precious and important, they would never have done that. If, if, if the people, if the people who, 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 have been, who have been persecuting the brother of our own local dear brother here, if they would uh, come to grips and understand that, hey, this man and his family, they're important and they're precious. They're a wonderful creation of God. Amen? They would not be out trying to get him. They would not be out trying to persecute and trying to kill him. You know, whether, whether, whether a person is red, black, or white, we are all precious in God's sight. Whether, whether a person is from Syria, or born in Lebanon, or born in Israel, or born in Russia, or Greece, or born in the Caribbean somewhere, or in South America, or born right here in home territory in one of the local hospitals, Each person is precious and important. No matter where you come from, whether you were born right here in one of the local hospitals like our two children were born here, or whether you you were born somewhere else, you are uniquely made and you are precious. And we thank God for you. And I invite you today, no matter what your background is, no matter what your circumstance might be, to believe that each person is important and precious. And to treat one another in that way. Amen? So the B in build is for believe each person is important and precious. The the U in build is simply for use encouraging words. Use encouraging words. Make it a practice. And sometimes you and I have to make an extra effort. <clears throat> make it a standard practice for yourself to, to use encouraging words as you see something positive in your children, in your wife, in your husband, in your uncle, in your aunt. As you see something positive in someone at work, someone at school, as you see something wonderful in someone here at the church, point it out. Make a note of it. And just commend the person for that. Use encouraging words. And as, as I speak, as I speak these thoughts, I, I, I want to ask Pastor Lisa, in fact, I want to ask Dr. Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar to just come up for a moment here. Come on up. Come on up. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you, all right? I'm, I don't want to embarrass you one bit. But, you know, I, uh, I was just thrilled this week. I mean, I'm often thrilled with her, with our other staff, with you folks in the sanctuary here. But I, I was really thrilled this week because she, does, she has no idea what, I was, what I'm thrilled about. All right, you don't know what I'm thrilled about, do you? No, no. Well, I am thrilled about the fact that I happen to see the transcript of her marks for the Doctor of Divinity degree that she just graduated with, all right? Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated her graduation with the Doctor of Divinity. And listen, listen, this young lady here This young lady here had not only straight A's, not only straight A's, but a lot of them were straight A pluses, A pluses, A pluses. (laughs) Now, as some of you know, I I went to school, post-secondary education for more than seven years. And no matter what school you're enrolled in, no matter what university, no matter what seminary, it is tough to get straight A's. I'll tell you that. And uh, I, I know that sometimes she used to talk about how challenging studying Greek was and Hebrew, and here I look at the transcript, A, A, A and I thought, what are you complaining about? <laughs> God bless you, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Listen, if you're, in, if you're in school and you're not getting straight A's, that, that's all right, okay? I mean, it's, it's wonderful if you are, as Pastor Lisa experienced, but uh, some, some of us, you know, some of you, some of us, uh, may be more academically inclined than others, but just do your best and trust the Lord for the rest. Amen? Amen? And uh, speaking of this, yes, parents, parents, listen, Please remember, please remember, if you got two or three children, don't don't compare your children. Don't say, don't say to your second child or third child, whichever child, don't, don't say, well, how come you're not getting how come you're not getting in the 90s like your brother or sister? Okay? No, don't, don't say that kind of thing. I mean, in theory, I shouldn't even have to mention this but I've come across this over the years, and well-meaning parents will sometimes say things which, which they think will inspire their son or daughter. Instead, it just caused them to say, I'm not even gonna try, you know? All I get is just comparison to my brother or sister who's a bookworm like Pastor Nick was. Anyway, okay, use encouraging words. Uh, we're still on build, okay? Be a person who builds up people instead of tearing people down. So, then the I in build can simply be for invest time, energy, and money in a person. Now, that doesn't mean you always have to invest money. But sometimes, sometimes it it may help. It may help. But especially invest time and energy. Parents and grandparents, we have to remember that as we invest time, we spend time and we invest energy in our kids, in our grandkids, it helps to build that child or that young person up. Is there an amen in the house? Amen. Right? When, uh, when I talk with children or, or, or teens, so often, so often, when I say to them something like, you know, tell me about a favorite experience that you had. They'll say, oh, it was, it was when my dad did this with me or my mom did this with me and, or, or when dad and mom and I and we, we went together and we did this and did that. What were they saying to me? They said the investment of time and energy was important to them. Amen? Amen. Okay, so the L in build can be for love. Love a person. Obviously, the Bible repeatedly says, love one another. Show love. Show love and show respect. Love one another, says our Lord Jesus. And then the D in build, the D in build is for defend a person. Defend a person. Psalm 34, verse 7, and Psalm 68, verse 5, those verses talk about how God, God is a defender. God is a defender. And we just prayed a few moments ago that God would defend our brother's brother overseas in Pakistan during this very critical time. Defend a person. What, what does this mean in a practical situation? It simply means, it simply means when, when or if you hear that that someone, that that someone is being mistreated, either verbally or physically or, however, step in. Don't just let it happen, especially if it's in your power to stop it. Defend a person. Defend. Whether we're talking about children, youth, or adults. Defend. Stand up for that person. Show love for that person towards that person. And 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 be someone that comes alongside and, and says, hey. They're calling you names. But I just said to them, that's not who you are. You're a very precious creation in God's sight. You're very special. And I'm here to defend you. I believe in you. And you're a wonderful person. How many of you, how many of you at some point in your life have had someone defend you? I mean defend verbally, I mean to speak on your behalf, maybe even defended you physically because someone was, was out to injure you in whatever way or for whatever reason. How, how many of you, just put your hand up, let me see. How many of you have had someone defend? That's wonderful, that's wonderful to see that many hands. That's wonderful because, I say it's wonderful because sometimes people, people will say, well, 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 it's, it's not my business. It's not my business. Yes, it is. If you have the authority or you're in a position to defend someone who is being mistreated, act and defend. Amen. All right, let's move along. So the first truth is what? Be a person who builds people up instead of tearing people down. Here's our second truth. Read it from the big screen, would you? Be a person who desires a closer relationship with the Lord. Now this, this truth came to my mind when I read verse 15 of Acts 6 because it says, at this point everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. His face became as bright as as an angel's. Now I don't, I don't think anyone knows fully, and I did some reading on this. I, I, I'm sure that no one knows fully and exactly all that that verse means. But I believe, I believe that in essence what it's saying is is that Stephen had a close relationship with the Lord. Does that make sense to you? And so his face became as bright as an angel. One of the commentators I was reading by the name of Dr. Barnhouse says, he says, this man lived very close. This man lived very close to Jesus Christ. He lived close. And I want to say to us today, let us be men and women, young people and children who desire a closer walk with the Lord, a closer relationship. And when I was thinking about this truth, I couldn't help but think of the beautiful hymn, A Closer Walk With Thee. Closer Walk With Thee. And I've asked George and Ruth if they would, Come and and lead us in it, and lead us in it, and and uh, maybe I can just ask our computer operator to especially watch the volume so that our radio listeners don't have their ears blown off as we sing this. But George, come and Ruth, and lead us, lead us in this beautiful hymn, A Closer Walk with Thee. Reflect, reflect upon uh, the words as as we we. Hear it, experience it, would you? Amen?
1: be shield me out. Long is the way, but in I trust. In my own strength, but weakness I see. Grant me a closer walk with Thee. Oh, for a closer walk with Thee. me and hide me, constantly guide me, into a closer walk with Thee. Glorious Master, King of my soul, on Thee my burdens gladly I'll roll thou art my person eternally grant me a closer walk with thee oh for a closer walk with thee near to thy side i ever would be Shield me and hide me, constantly guide me into a closer walk with Thee. Wonderful prayer.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you, George and Ruth. May that be your prayer and mine, your desire and mine. Your hearts cry and my hearts cry. Let it be so, Lord. Let's go to a third truth. Third truth today is this. Be a person who is willing to be corrected. Some of you are thinking, I really don't like this one already, Pastor Nick. Be a person who is willing to be corrected. This truth we discover from chapter seven, which is actually a long chapter, and we're not gonna read the whole thing, all right? But we learn this principle, this truth, from chapter seven, because here Stephen launched into a long speech about Israel's relationship with God. From Old Testament history, he showed that the Jews had constantly rejected God's message and his prophets, and that this council that he is addressing, this group of people that he is speaking to, had also rejected the Lord, rejected the Messiah, rejected Jesus. I want you to notice, starting at verse 51 of Acts 7, these few verses. Verse 51 says, <laughs> Stephen is speaking to them and he says, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him in rage. That gives you a little idea as to what happened in chapter 7. Stephen's listeners refused to change their ways. More specifically, they refuse to be corrected. And it's a reminder to you and to me that we need to be individuals who are willing to be corrected. Sometimes God's Word will correct us. As we read God's Word, as we hear it in church like this, as we hear and study God's Word in Sunday school classes, Wednesday evenings, other Bible study times, whatever the case might be, as you read God's Word on your own, God's Word has a way of touching our hearts and transforming us and correcting us. And the question is, are you and I, are we open to that correction? Amen? It's so not only God's Word that corrects us, but there are times when, when people in authority, like parents, parents, grandparents, need to be listened to. For loving parents and loving grandparents will sometimes need to correct a child, a young person, a grown-up, a grown-up grown child. And there are also times when peers, when peers correct us, and there are also occasions when, when your children, your child, or someone else's child, there have been times across the years when my, my two kids, my two kids, they're growing up now, but when they were, when they were kids, sometimes they, they would say things. They would say things to me or, or to my wife. And it was, it was a lot more wisdom that they spoke than at first I thought. And it was... It was an occasion, there were occasions when what they said was good to correct me. And there are probably times when you have been corrected by your son or daughter. And it's it's wonderful, it's wonderful when you you feel like someone's listening or someone is open to correction, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful when you feel like, hey, that child or that young person or that, that adult is open to some guidance, open to some correction. I had a, an experience like that this past week. I, I went home for supper, and uh, then after supper, I, I was uh, just le- leaving the house to go into, uh, into the car, and I noticed, I noticed two men, just a few houses down the road, I noticed two men were, um, were, were laying... Uh, what do you call it? Brickwork, um, interlocking brick, right? Yes, they were they were doing some wonderful interlocking brickwork to the left of the driveway, which had recently been repaved, and to the right of the driveway. And uh, I'm sure once it's finished, it's going to look beautiful. But what concerned me was what concerned me was what are the men, and they seem very experienced people. Uh, they, they, were, they must have been hired uh, because they weren't the, the neighbors that lived there. But anyway, the, one of them was cutting with uh, a concrete saw or whatever is the official name for it. One of them was cutting was cutting the pavement, was cutting the, uh, the black pavement in order to get a straight line so that the brickwork uh, would, would really line up properly. So he was cutting. He was cutting and doing a lot of cutting. And, and I saw what was happening, and I thought, oh, 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 there's a potential disaster here. I know some of you are going to think, Pastor Nick, you need to mind your own business more. <laughs> All right? But he was cutting, and he was not wearing safety goggles. Whoa, right? He was not wearing safety goggles, and... and and just out of love, I, 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 went, over, I went over and went over and as soon as he slowed down the saw, or maybe he slowed down the saw because he saw me walk over. Anyway, as soon as he slowed down the, the cutting, I, I said, my friend, my friend. First time I'm meeting him, but he's my friend. I said, my friend, listen, listen. I don't mean to, I don't mean to interfere, but, but I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned for your eyesight some of that some of those stones and that gravel and and and, and what you 're cutting can easily fly up and hit you in the eye, and you can be blinded in an instant. I said, "Please, please uh, couldn 't you wear protective glasses, or if you don 't have them i 'd like to go and buy you some i 'd like to go and buy you some." He said, "No, no, no, I have them. I have them <laughs> and then his buddy was working with him. Uh, he, he, he saw what I was saying. He heard what I was saying. And, and he turned around and he said, good telling him. Good telling him. That's right. That's right. Or some, something like that, you, you know. And I said, yeah, man, man. I said, I said you know, listen. I'm, I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor and I deal with a lot of people. And I said, a lot of accidents can be prevented. And, and I don't want to see you lose an eye a, over a, a job that y, you, you can easily prevent that kind of an injury. And guess what? Both of them said. Both of them said, "Pastor, thanks. Thanks for taking time to talk with us and to express your concern. Thanks. We really appreciate it." And um, I said. I'm glad glad that we've had this moment. (laughs) Glad we had this moment, Pastor Lucas. And uh, I said, uh, goodbye, gentlemen. Anyway, before going into my car, I I needed to just quickly run back in the house, run back in my house, and uh, then I I came out, came out, jumped in my car, jumped in my car, and I thought, thought, oh, I I wonder, I wonder if they, they actually will act upon what I said. So as I'm driving by, I, I looked at them, and he goes. <laughs> <laughs> he put his safety goggles on, safety glasses on, and I, I, I gave him a thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Those of you who were here last Sunday, you know that I one of the points was about safety matters, and you know stuff like that, stuff like that, can become uh, tragic in just an instant, and yet it can be prevented to a large extent. Amen. Amen. All right. So be a person who is willing to be corrected. Is there anything think about it before we move on? Is there anything in your life at the present that the Lord has been trying to correct? Either through what he read, through or either through what you read in the Bible, or maybe someone someone has said something to you? Or maybe something has been said in this message? Don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. But take the correction. Take the correction. Act upon it. Amen? Amen? All right, let's move on. Move on. Truth number four. Be a person who lives. Read it from the big screen, would you? Be a person who lives with a spirit of forgiveness. A spirit of forgiveness. This, uh, this truth obviously comes from the end of uh, Acts chapter 7, beginning at verse 54. Here it is. Here it is. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that... He died. What incredible forgiveness we see, don't we? Dr. William Barclay commenting on this verse says, As Jesus prayed for the forgiveness of his executioners, so did Stephen. So did Stephen. May the Lord empower you, and you and you and you folks up in the balcony. May the Lord empower you, radio listener to be a person who shows a spirit of forgiveness. And going now to this fifth truth, which is this. Be a person who is serious about commitment. Stephen, Stephen was serious about commitment. In fact, he got an A+++++. plus 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 plus. One definition of commitment is, quote, the state or quality of being dedicated, dedicated to a cause or activity. Commitment. Let's talk a little bit about commitment in various aspects or areas of your life and mine. Here's one area commitment to your spouse and to your family. Are you committed? Are you wholeheartedly committed to your husband, to your wife, to your children? Children, are you committed to your parents, to your family? Think about as well, commitment, commitment to your job or to your schoolwork, for those of you who are still in school. You know, if you work for a company or an organization, whatever it might be, Christian or non-Christian organization, if you're, gonna, if you're going to work there, be committed. Be committed. Do your best. Don't, don't, don't give second best, third best, or whatever, but give your very best to whatever job you might have. And if you're in school, give your best. There will be a time when you won't be in school. You won't, you won't have... Time forever to study. When you are in the academic field, do your best. Be committed to your studies. Also, think about commitment to a healthy lifestyle, healthy food and exercise. Be committed. Be committed. Be committed to your responsibilities. Be committed to your responsibilities. Whatever responsibilities you have here in the church, responsibilities that you have in your home, at work, in the community, take take your commitments seriously. Don't, Don't just do them whenever it's convenient. Don't just do them whenever you feel like it. Don't just do them when, oh, well, the wind is blowing the right way. But be committed to your responsibilities, whatever they might be. Be committed. Furthermore, be committed. Think about commitment to your church. If you're a part of this church, be committed to this church. If you're a part of another church uh, and you're maybe visiting today, be committed to your church, wherever that might be, whether it's another part of the city or outside of Toronto, be committed. This week, as I was driving, I was listening, listening to a message by, by Pastor T.D. T. D. Jakes. I'm sure sometimes you, you, some of you listen to T.D. Jakes on radio or on television. And uh, Reverend Jakes is the minister of the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas. Uh, their sanctuary can hold, I believe, 7,600 people. And usually on a weekend with their several services, they have about 20,000 people in church. Now, in his message, in his message, Pastor Jakes talked about commitment and, and how he expressed a lot of frustration, even though there's a huge congregation of 20,000 people. He was expressing frustration about how so many people in his church, he said, weren't really committed. He, uh, he talked about how too many were I think he used the term, uh, he said, there were too many there for the thrill and the chill. The thrill and the chill. And how there was a need for people to become committed. To take their responsibilities seriously. To take on responsibilities in his local church. To be dependable, reliable, to give tithes and offerings. And I I want to encourage you to be committed. Just as... Reverend Jakes, T.D. Jakes, was encouraging his congregation of 20,000 people to be committed. I invite you and I challenge you to be committed to your local church. Amen? Amen? And I want to thank God. I want to say thank you, Lord, for the many of you who are committed. who who are committed, you are faithful. You're you're faithful in your ministry. You're faithful in your responsibilities. You're faithful to be here. You're faithful in giving your tithes. You're faithful in in, in giving to the mortgage fund and to world missions. And we say, thanks be to God for your commitment. And then we must also remember our commitment to Jesus Christ. Ultimately, 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 You and I are moved by Stephen's commitment, Stephen's commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. In his case, it cost him his very life. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. My friends, I invite you, each one of us, to be wholeheartedly committed to Jesus Christ. If as yet you have not repented of your sins, if as yet you haven't said, Lord, I give myself to you, I dedicate myself to you, I commit myself to you, then today's the day, today's the day for you to begin your commitment to Jesus. Today's the day for you to repent of your sins, to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and say, you know, I want to get, I want to, I want to get towards that level of commitment that I see in Stephen. Would you dare? Would you dare to commit yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus? Let's pray. Dear Lord, how inspired we are and how inspired we can become when we reflect upon the commitment of Stephen to our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, move upon us, inspire us, draw us, motivate us to this incredible high level of commitment that we see in Stephen. Thank you, Lord, for those listening today who have have truly come to that point of total surrender, total commitment to Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for those who today are making and will make a decision to fully and totally commit themselves to you. Hear their prayers. Hear our prayers of full surrender. Hear our prayers of total commitment. Let it be so.